You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Oz Network. As we continue our exclusive third watch coverage, we are in two. The 11th halfway episode, halfway point of uh, season 5, the episode is called A Call for Help aired on January 9, 2004, our first episode that aired in 2004. Ed Alan wrote this, Ed Alan Bonero directed this, this is billed as the 100th episode of Third Watch, even though you might argue it's the 99th episode of Third Watch, whatever, it is the 100th episode, this is a masterpiece of an episode, it is such a good episode, and I'm so excited that we're here to talk about it. Uh, my name is Ben, and move to the right, you moron! <laughs> <laughs> My name is Darvell, and who wouldn't like you with your sunny old disposition? Thank you. Thank you very much. That used to be on my Tinder profile. Um, I love this episode. This episode is brilliant. And as we kind of touched on last week, uh, you know, Builders 100th episode. Again, if you look at a list, uh, it's technically maybe the 99th episode. I think there was kind of a bit of confusion around some of the double episodes and how they build those and how they mark those as well. Um, it's also, I think, maybe production-wise, it might have been the 100th. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, this to me is always the 100th episode because it is a unique one. It's done very well. It's done brilliantly. And, yeah, I mean, it's just such Absolutely. a unique episode that I think is easily one of the ones that you always remember, don't you? Yep, although, tell you tell you the truth, um, I didn't remember all the details of it until watching it again. But... It did definitely stick out to me the first time I watched it, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's just done so well. And kind of just to allude straight away on, like, how unique this episode is, um, <clears throat> this whole episode was done in 10-minute portions when it was filmed. And essentially, each of those 10-minute portions, they hit go, they sent action, and basically went for it. So kind of you can tell with the way the cameras are in this episode, it's a little bit different because we kind of get these continuous one-camera shots of the way they sort of pan over them and just walk with them. It's it's very cleverly done. And, you know, in a in an episode that goes for 42 minutes, it kind of you almost have got like four portions of 10 minutes in length. And you just got to think the, you know, we know the actors are very well trained. They learn their lines, like good for them. But generally in a show like this, you know, it's not like the theatre where kind of you can sometimes get away with, you know, cut, I'm going to do that again and stuff like that. Whereas this is almost like, I guess, working in the theatre. And for the most part, actors start off in the theatre anyway. So, you know, most actors yeah. have that experience as it is. But to remember these lines and kind of go out of the way, it really reminds me of when um, ER became the very first, uh, I guess, prime time uh, TV show, like a drama TV show to do a live episode. And that kind of set off a, ah, a, yes. a string of events. Like I know a lot of, uh, comedies like Will and Grace did it. The Drew Carey show did it. Kind of, they did live episodes. Um, but I mean, you can get away with a lot more on a comedy because you can kind of almost treat it like a, you know, it is meant to be funny. So fuck ups kind of fit into it. But yeah, I remember when ER did it. Like you think about a show like ER doing a live episode, who's, you know, the amount of uh, effects and everything you got. And they actually did it twice in ER, of course, too. They did it for the East Coast and the West Coast. So, um, not quite a live episode here, but I think it's kind of on that same page where it's, it's a very unique way of filming an episode, kind of these 10 minute continuous shots. Um, and the whole episode itself too is based on a case that Ed Allen Bonero actually did when he was a cop in the Chicago police force. So, God, we, I bet that case gave him nightmares. Yeah, so I mean, like, it says at the very beginning, we've got this text on the screen that says, while the following story is inspired by actual events, it has been fictionalized, character scenes and events have been created, and names and locations have been changed. So, um, this is one thing for sure that if we ever get Ed, Ed Allen Monero on the show, I will be spending a good portion of the interview being like, hey, 
tell us about the call that you got that inspired the episode of Call for Help. Like, what was different and how did it play out? Because another great thing yeah. about this episode is it keeps you guessing. Like, like I remember, like, when it had been a while since, you know, I generally will try and rewatch Third Watch like one, every one or two years. But there was probably a period of time where I hadn't, you know, rewatched in a couple of years. And I saw this episode and I, I even forgot. Like, shit, did he do it? Like, like what happens? So, um, just, there's really nothing bad I can say about this episode, Duffel. <laughs> Nah. And you know what what struck me is when I when I played it yesterday, when I was watching it yesterday, I was thinking to myself, wait, there's no previously on third watch segment. Hey, I like that. It's nice to have a self-contained episode for once. Yeah, and that exactly is. Uh, and you can you can watch this episode purely without having seen any of third watch. I mean, you really only have like I guess the mention when Carlos says about um you know the the brother bit. That's maybe the only bit where kind of you need to have a bit of background on it. But um, yeah, other than that, it's pretty much self-contained. But I feel this episode is going to be quite short because we can just kind of go yeah. through the dialogue and everything about <clears throat> this sort of stuff. And I will just say because I'll always I'll, I'll hark on it about it at some point. But how this episode didn't get an, an Emmy nomination for directing or some form of nomination, I don't know. Even the acting side of things, this to me is Jason Wiles' absolute most perfect episode. He's so good in this episode. Not that he's not good in other episodes, but he's brilliant. And Warren Cole, who plays Tommy Shepard, like wow, he is great. Like he's completely sells yeah, his he, whole role of us. Uh, you know, yeah. V- yeah, yeah, he could, he could, he could definitely hide his potential dark side very well. Yeah, I mean, he he really, really knows how to turn on the charm. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and like he sells that type of character so well, and um, he has been in plenty of other things since. But to me, he's always Tommy Shepard. Like, um, I'm trying to think, he was he was in yeah he was in one of the. Um, he was in one of the Avengers movies. Uh, he was in The Avengers, like the first one. Um, but I'm trying to think. The following, that's what he was in. The Kevin Bacon show, uh, which is great. Everyone should watch it because it's Kevin Bacon's in it. Um, I remember like when I was watching that, like there was this character in it the whole time. I'm like, I know him. I know who this guy is. And then finally it clicked. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's Tommy from Third Watch. And then another great show, which kind of only lasted one season a few years ago, was called The Chicago Code. Uh, I, like, I was so sad that didn't get picked I've heard up. of that. That was great. It was, I don't, maybe only I've never through. watched it. Oh, did it have like 17 episodes, 12 episodes? It was such a good show. Like, it was just, it was a cop show, but it was just done in such a way that was really, really good. It, um, has in it Jason Clark, an Australian actor who went on to kind of do a lot of things since. Um, he's actually kind of making a bit of a name for himself. Um, it kind of had a bit of a blue blood vibe to it in the fact that, it wasn't just purely about like the cops, like they had, um, like the mayor of Chicago was a very prominent character in it. Um, so kind of like you had the, the outside of the cop and kind of dealing with, I guess, you know, the, the politics of police work and everything along those lines. But, uh, 13 episodes it ran for, 13 episodes, but good show, The Chicago mm. Code. That is one that I think, uh, definitely has been forgotten about in the, the realms of our uh, things. But, uh, he also, uh, was in 24. So, um, yeah. Really? Yeah, Warren Cole. He's been in lots of okay. things. He was in, uh, day seven. He was Warren Brian. Cole. Brian Gedge, uh, in season seven. I always Brian. forget. Okay. I, I always forget when I don't it comes to like him. season seven and eight, these characters, because they're the season six, seven, and eight are probably the ones I always forget the, you know, I kind of black out as most 24 fans do, I think. Um, but according to IMDb, this actually was <clears> his <throat> very first acting role. So there you go. 
Well, uh, he, well, well, he made a he makes a great first impression. Yeah, it used to be credited as Warren Blosjo. That's who he's credited in this episode. So, not sure if uh, he must have had sort of a screen name to begin with, because now he's always credited as Warren Cole. But uh, it's very interesting that back in the day he used to be credited uh, as somebody different. So, just I uh, feel the need to talk about him straight away because really, out of our main cast, he's kind of the only person we actually see, and. The, maybe the one nitpick that I will have about this episode is that they did not find a way to fit Jimmy into this episode because we know Yokus is obviously away, so they couldn't fit her. But, like, I feel as though, given that this is the 100th episode and we kind of fit every single main person into this episode as best as we can, the fact that we don't get Jimmy in here somehow, like, they do mention we're going to call the squad to get the bolt cutters, you legitimately just need to have Jimmy go, hey, I'm here, you need a bolt cutters? Okay, I'm going now. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird to me that we don't get Eddie Cibrian in this episode, but we get a strong Jimmy episode next week, so um, they make up for it. Anyway, let's get into this uh, episode, because again, we're probably going to cover this pretty quickly. Uh, we start off with Bosco and Munro. They're driving around the neighbourhood. There's a 911 call where somebody's remained anonymous that there's been an attack uh, somewhere. A guy is screaming somewhere. He doesn't want to give his name. Um, they drive to Amherst Street. Bosco realises that he uh, dated a girl on Amherst, but didn't really date her. They just stayed in all the time. Um, we get this great sort of camera work where clearly they've got this vehicle set up on sort of one of the movable trucks the way they do. And just the way the camera's like panning across the the front of the car just looks fantastic. Like it's done so cleverly because they clearly can't cut between sort of uh, both Sasha and Bosco. So they have to work their way around it. But it's done very, very cleverly. Um, and I do like the way sort of like Sasha's like, why are we always going in the wrong way when we get a call? Um, Bosco's going on the PA, calling people morons because they're not in, they're not moving out of the way. Bosco thinks the call is, um, bogus. Uh, but they find a guy, he's trying to get into his car. Um, and he's kind of got his back to the cops and he turns around eventually because they're saying like, hey, we're talking to you. Uh, and then they're like, is that blood? Da, da, da. Credits. Um, so every kind of one yep. of these 10-minute scenes all sort of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. But it's done in a way that it's not bad, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I so gotcha. Just great camera work the way they kind of do it. I know <clears> I said that a few times, but it's just it's clever the way they really they do it. After the credits, Bosco and Munro are questioning this guy. We find out his name is uh, Tommy. He's got a very bad cut on his hand. Uh, he says that he got into a fight. He's saying it was stupid. He's kind of avoiding telling this story about what happened. Um, Bosco is saying that, you know, we need to take you to hospital. I can see your bones. He mentions that his mum's a nurse, so he'll be able to get it fixed up. Um, and he says that he cut his hand on a fence. Uh, now, Bosco wants to... Um, they kind of want to leave. They don't want to do this situation. So Bosco and Munro have a bit of a talk to each other. But then Bosco realises that he doesn't want to be the person, the last city official to see this guy when he's passed out in a car in a tunnel and he's found dead. And then they find out that he was the last person to see him. They go back and question him. So Bosco is basically trying to, uh, you know, find out the scene that happened. Tommy walks him around to a few different fences and Bosco basically calls bullshit on each of the ones, saying, like, didn't happen here, nothing's been disturbed, like, you're bullshitting me. Um, I do like the way sort of Tommy just makes conversation, I guess, the way he's kind of like, you know, oh, what sort of gun do you carry? And Bosco's just kind of, like, loaded. Um, and <laughs> we find out that Bosco's been a cop for 12 years, which I think kind of we already knew that. That's correct, isn't it? Because wasn't it nine years, of, a couple of years ago, and now it's 12, or is this the... Yeah. 
situation where they're me- messing their time frames up again. Yeah, I'm not tw- sure. 12 years, yeah. Yeah. I do like the way he's kind of like, you know, do you like it? And he's like, except when people ask stupid questions. <laughs> so, uh, we also, I should mention in this whole sequence, Munro mentions that this guy's cute. Good for that. Uh, then Cruz shows up. They're kind of like, Sergeant must be bored. Um, and I do like the way kind of Bosco says to Cruz, like, oh yeah, definitely, you know, Cruz is like, what's going on here? And he's like, definitely dope. Like, he's on drugs? Like, no, this guy's a dope. Um, Cruz and Munro are checking this guy out. Uh, what does yeah. Cruz say? Like, hey, puppy, or something like that. Yeah. Hey, puppy, or, or so- something in, something in Spanish, I think. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's true what Bosco says. Like, if this was a girl, like, you know, it's very true. Like, again, double yeah. standards. This happens a lot. But, uh, don't get me started in that. Uh, Cruz again. Look, let's double standard it right now here, Darvel. Cruz looking fantastic in a uniform still. Jesus Christ, she looks hot in a uniform. Uh, <laughs> just- <laughs> Need to point that out every time she's uh, on screen. Um, Tommy sort of questioning, like, aren't you guys busy? And kind of, you know, Cruz is like, oh, it's a bit of a quiet day. Uh, so they call for an ambulance to kind of check on his hand. Bosco's still going off with this guy. And this is, again, what's really good about sort of the acting um, here by Warren Cole. It's just he's so believable. Like, as an audience, we're believing him. Like, it's kind of like yeah. he's selling this very well as kind of someone who doesn't know what happened and he just wants to get out of here. Like, no way at this point are we feeling like he's done anything wrong. Right. And, I mean, if I mean, if he is, in fact, if he is, in fact, not that bad looking, I mean, I imagine, I imagine that helps at least the, at least the female members of the audience. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, even like from a male perspective, um, who doesn't yeah. demean people, Darvel, by looking at them because of their yeah. looks, he says after saying that uh, Sergeant Cruz looks hot in a uniform. Um, like he's he's got a charm about him. He's he's kind of and he does the charisma. I guess is is the word yes. I'm trying to trying to say um so yeah i think kind of that sells it because like i mean at the end of the day we have all met people who you know maybe personally we're not attracted to but we're drawn to them because of their personality if that makes sense very very charismatic very charming yes and that's that's what this guy is and that's kind of like um what uh bosco says at one point doesn't he when he says like you know I too would get annoyed if he was uh, around my girlfriend because he seems like the type of guy who just, you know, doesn't matter whether they've got a partner or not, you know. Um, and, yeah, I definitely think he's that type of guy. Uh, Doc and Kim show up. They look at his hand. Um, he's got some tendon damage. Um, he's basically refusing service, and Kim and uh, Doc are kind of like, look, we're here. It's free treatment. Let us just at least uh, banish it, bandage it up for you um so uh they let him do that munro and uh and bosco kind of are looking around as well and they're just trying to work it out they're saying like something's going on here something's not right bosco is like look he led me over there he led me over there he led me over there and then munro's basically like well what's down here then this is the only part he didn't lead us to and they walk down the uh alley and they find a wall which is just absolutely coated in blood and so they are call it in uh so yeah we've kind of got the setup here and again and just establish this is what i said at the beginning that all of these are done are continuously shot so essentially from the end of the credits to this moment here where they go to an ad that is just one shot with no editing like that is brilliant that is very well done so well done like excellent i cannot commend them enough for how clever 
uh, this season. Like, again, how does this not get nominated for, like, editing Emmys or directing or things like that? Because it's third watch. Exactly. Let's be real. It's just, it's just, it baffles me because, like, what other show? I mean, I'm, you know, I think, like, Southland kind of had similar kind of <clears> long <throat> shots like this, but, like, single camera shows, like, the comedies and all that sort of stuff, like, they get a lot of props, but at the end of the day, you can do a lot more with single camera comedy because you still edit and cut between scenes, but I, I think I read, there was a forum I randomly found about discussing this episode, like, back in the day, and kind of, there were people talking about this episode and saying, like, oh, I don't really like the 24 feel about this episode, which, I can see what they're trying to say about a 24 feel, but I mean, the thing with 24 is that they've got like five different cameras on a scene at one point because, you know, it's real time. So they kind of have to be able to still do different angles so they can do those little boxes of kind of, you know, showing the different faces and everything like that. So Mm -hmm. the difference between this and like 24, where I can see what they're saying is like, there are no cuts. This is all just one camera shot the whole way. So that's where I think it's really clever and where it needs more uh, props, I guess. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so we come back after the break. <laughs> I love how we said the break. We're back after this brief commercial break. Bosco calls it in. Um, Third watch where we turn after these messages. Bosco calls back to see <laughs> if uh, the anonymous caller will uh, mention their name. I do love the way the uh, the person on the radio is kind of like, stand by, David. And Bosco's just like, stand by my stand ass. Stand by my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time they call back this person who refuses to talk, um, gee, they do it quickly. They like legitimately call them back. They answer them straight away. What does this person on the phone say? Don't want to say my name. Bye. And then kind of just like calls back straight away. So it's done extremely quickly. Um, Bosco gets angry. He grabs Tommy and drags him along to look at the blood. And he's like, you know, we found the blood. Tommy again is just kind of like, again, just playing dumb. He plays dumb so well. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. And Bosco getting angry, you know, it pisses me off that you, I've been lied to, drags him back against the wall where he finally does a search. Uh, you know, ask him, is there anything sharp on you? He doesn't, he doesn't say like, well, Bosco says anything sharp on you like needles to which he says like, no. Uh, again, he's kind of like one of these guys who's just going to be a technical dick about everything. Um, yeah. Well, Finds his cell phone, find keys, and then eventually he's kind of like, be careful. And he's like, why? There's a knife. Uh, and he finds another knife. And Doc and Kim are watching on this and kind of Doc loses it. He's like, you didn't search him. You brought him over here with a knife. Uh, kind of Doc's getting all up in Bosco's face. Bosco shoves Doc out of the way. Kim's like, thanks a lot, Bosco. And look, in all fairness, like, I, I'm probably more on the side of the cops here because, like, they didn't know what they had with this guy and they can't search everyone. So, like, at the time when they're treating this guy, they only assume he's kind of, like, a victim and not a perp. So, I mean, you can understand That's the frustrations fair. of the of Doc and Kim. But, like, again, like, in a world where cops are judged for everything that they do, how's it going to be if cops search everyone? Like, if I went up to a cop and was like, oh, excuse me, you know, like, I've hurt myself, can you call an ambulance for me? Am I going to feel comfortable all of a sudden the cop goes, sure, but before you do, I need to search you? Like... Yeah, like there's no probable cause. No, I'm gonna. I mean, I mean, hey, uh, somebody just somebody just stabbed me in my stomach, and I think I'm fucking dying here. Yeah, forget about your searches. Yeah, get me some help. Exactly. Like it's it's always innocent till proven guilty. So you always kind of go into a situation not assuming everyone's guilty, right? So yeah. Um, Sully and Doc, uh, Sully and Carl, uh, Sully and Carl, Sully and Davis show up. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Sully's kind of a bit, you know, like, oh, I told you we shouldn't have come here. And David's like, look, I'm bored just driving around. Um, so they're kind of walking there. Um, and Cruz asked Davis to get some tape. Uh, Cruz being very nice in this episode. This to me is a transition episode where Cruz is officially nice after this episode, I feel. Um, so yeah. I think kind of the whole situation was what happened to her with her assault. And that leads us into this episode. Again, she is officially nice. This episode is Sergeant Cruz. So they've officially switched that, flicked that switch for her. Um, Davis and Munro are talking about Sully. Uh, Bosco, meanwhile, getting that angry at, uh, Tommy that he handcuffs him to Doc's To ambulance. the ambulance. Now, this is where it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> you're in the wrong here, Bosco. Like, you've got a chain link fence that you legitimately were just searching him against. Why can't you chain him to the fence? <laughs> so, you know, like, this is where Doc is being, uh, Bosco is being a dick. Should not. Uh, do that because I mean, what what is his reasoning? What do you think his reasoning is for um, attaching him to an ambulance? I don't know. I do not really know. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing to kind of uh you know have that. Um, so Bok Bok, yep, that's his name now instead of Doc. Um, is rightfully angry here. Um, and kind of they have a bit of a a, convers- a confrontation. Um, which it's been a while since I've had a Bosco versus Doc confrontation. Uh, and I just, I, I do, as much as Bosco is being a dick about this, I do kind of like the way Bosco is like, why don't you kiss my, my ass? <laughs> um, and, no, he's like, sorry, why don't you call a cop? And Doc says, why don't you kiss my ass? Um, so it's kind of funny. Munro walks away with Doc because he wants, she wants him to have a look at the blood. Uh, I kind of like this little moment between the two, the way uh, Doc's kind of like, do I know you? And she's kind of like, oh, Sasha, I work midnights. And he's kind of like Parker, Monty Parker. And she's kind of like, yeah, well, I know who you are. All the ladies know who you are. Uh, <laughs> why do all the ladies, like, is that just because he's good looking? Because, like, he's not really like a, a player, so to speak. So I'm guessing it's just because no, he's... Not, no, not really. Yeah, I'm guessing it's just because he's good looking. Uh, but, you know, just just bookmark that little moment between Munro and Doc because uh, they may be revisiting their uh, meeting uh a little bit they so, just might in a few episodes of time uh doc points out that the blood whoever's that is is uh not going to be alive or they're very close to being dead uh because there's that much blood so it didn't come from tommy doc goes off at uh cruz and monroe about bosco saying that you know your officer didn't search him properly you've got guns you can feel safe um and you know cruz obviously apologizes like they didn't know i'm sorry uh, again, this is another one of those random moments where I do like it when we get characters interacting with each other that we don't often get, like Cruz interacting with Doc. Like, is that something you ever thought you were going to have, like an excuse for that? No. Um, I do love Michael Beach's acting here. Michael Beach just plays an angry character very, very well. <laughs> so, Which makes me think I'd hate to piss him off in real life. Oh, yeah. Particularly, again, what, what do we have uh, his uh, Instagram being the other day? Buff beach or whatever it was or tank buckle beach good looking rooster no buff good looking rooster that's what it was um we've got uh now bosco goes up to tommy he's uh found a credit card in his wallet for another girl he says that uh he it was his girlfriends they went out he she asked to uh keep the credit card in the uh the wallet um we, meanwhile tommy keeps asking for the keys which is really weird like just constantly keeps asking for the uh keys Cruz and Bosco have a bit of a conversation about why he doesn't seem bothered by any of this. Bosco wants to go look in um, Tommy's car. 
Uh, so which he's eventually going to do that. That's uh, going to pull some interesting things out of there. Cruz and Davis have some interaction. This is the first time I believe these two have ever had uh, interaction. Um, yep. I do like the way kind of Cruz thanks Davis for doing what he's doing. And then Davis is just basically like, I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. Uh, and she's like, what do you mean? Like, thank you. So, which is a good point. Like, you know, has she ever said that? Uh, Sully's nope. been door knocking. No one's been answering the door. Munro and Cruz try to open the shed. Uh, they're just going to play a part very, very soon. They can't open it. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a bit there. Uh, what's going to happen there, I wonder. Um, and I, I like the way Sally kind of says, like, um, you know, either no one's home or they don't like me. And this is like, yeah, I think your line when Davis says, like, you know, who wouldn't like you with your sunny disposition? Um, yep. And Cruz calls up the hospital to see if any uh, heavy bleeders have been admitted recently. Bosco then has comes back and has found seven credit cards in um in Tommy's car, seven different credit cards of seven different women. So what could this possibly mean? Uh, this keeps getting. And again, this is what's so good about this episode is, it's I think a good cop show or a, a show based around police work should always keep you guessing to the last minute. And I think yeah, you know, and they really don't. Well, yeah, for the most part, like the majority, like every time I watch a CSI or a show like this, like. Blue Bloods is kind of a show where I think I can generally guess who did it within, like, the first five minutes. You're like, oh, yeah, she did. Oh, he did it. And, you know, you're right 90% of the time. Whereas I think this is a good uh, example of how to do a show like this right. If you're going to focus a lot on the police work and everything like that sort of stuff, I think... Because, I mean, this keeps you guessing the whole time, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. If you're watching it for the first time anyway. Yeah. Um, And, like, because... Yeah, it's just, it's just done so cleverly and it's through acting and... Everything in the story and the writing is so good. Um, uh, the way that, yeah, like, I, I just, I'm so intrigued to find out from, uh, Ed Allen Bonero about what this was. Cause I mean, is this legitimately how this played out, do you think? Possibly. Although to think about, think about, to think about that is just, it's, it's horrific. You know, that must have been hell for him to witness if it ended the way it's portrayed as ending here in the show which i think you get that line at the end from bosco the way he's kind of like you know i don't want to remember this job i feel like that's a direct line from ed allen Bonero, basically but at the end of the day he's written an episode about it but maybe like his partner or somebody like that involved kind of that's what they sort of um said or something along those lines uh we're back uh from the ad we've got another 10 minute sequence here tommy's talking a bit to kim um can't uh you know, give him any information. Um, Kim and Doc have a bit of a conversation about things. Doc is calling Carlos just in case they uh, need any backup or need any uh, help. Uh, Kim saying she feels sorry for him, uh, you know, doesn't look like a killer. And kind of Doc, you know, says like, well, what does a killer look like, Kim? And actually, I, I found the promo for this on YouTube and I watched it and um, they use that line. You know, uh, in that they kind of use it. Doesn't look like a killer. What does a killer look like, Kim? Uh, kind of they use that in the promo. Yeah. Bosco confronts. And it's a valid question. I mean, what does a killer look like? Yeah, exactly. Cause like it's kind of one of these things where, you know, if you're, if some, if a crime happens and you, you know, you see these interviews on TV, you know, like, like if you murdered someone tomorrow and then a, a reporter came to me and was like, oh, what did you, you know, think of Darvell? Like you always have that interview like, oh, you know, I always thought he was a bit odd, but I never thought he could do something like this. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Or he was always very quiet. He was always very quiet, kept to himself. Kept to himself, didn't really know anything. 
that is the common thread. Yeah, exactly. Whereas someone like I think like someone like Ted Bundy is such a um a unique and I guess very well documented serial killer because he was kind of the opposite. He was very charismatic, you know. He was kind of well known <laughs> and kind of it was just a, a yeah, very that- charming and I and from what I've heard from what I've heard, I don't know much about him, but I mean from what little I have heard, not that hard on the eyes either. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it is possible for it not to just simply be a freaky-looking guy locked in his basement or something like that. Bosco confronts Tommy about the uh, seven credit cards, and, uh, you know, he's sort of lying and saying, like, look, I don't know who they could be. Other people use my... I don't know, he doesn't say that yet. But um, I love the way Bosco says, like, you know, I found your credit cards, and um, while Tommy's like, no, you didn't, and he's like, you're calling me a liar? Um, and <laughs> he keeps sort of saying that, like, I didn't do anything and kind of really starting to piss off Bosco and everyone. And just again, the, the, the acting from, uh, from him here and just the, uh, the, his facial expressions and everything here by Warren, it just, it just sells it so goddamn well. Can I, uh, can I say that so much? Um, Bosco getting so angry at him, he comes out to him and he's just kind of like, why don't I kick your ass? And then, um, Doc is kind of like, then I'll be the star witness at his trial. Uh, and then Bosco and Doc kind of get into a confrontation, and uh, Bosco's just like, Doc, Again. Like, Come on, let's go, let's go. And uh, Doc's <laughs> like, put your hands on me, Bosco, put your hands on me. Um, just, I do like this. Um, and then Kim pulls Doc aside and goes off at him and just like, you know, like, we have to get along with him, we're cops, you know. What are we told on our first day? That all cops are jerks. And then this is Oh, I, and I love Sully's response to that. Well, Sully and David Shaw... Go ahead. <laughs> All right. You know what they told us on the first day of cop school? Look around before you insult someone. Uh, and uh, Yeah, Kim's reaction when she's just, you know, like, oh, Sally, I didn't mean it. And then, sure, you did, Kim. And then, you know, oh, I knew I should have stayed home today. Um, <laughs> Sally walks around. Sally, Sally walks off with Davis. You know, we're all jerks now. Um, and then they kind of have a conversation about like, you ever seen the Twilight Zone? This reminds me of that episode. It's like, oh, you mean the the one with the atomic bomb one? Like, no, the one where they couldn't remember everything. <laughs> it's kind of funny. They're still knocking on all yeah. the doors. Um, Sully uh, says that this was his old beat when he first started to work. So that was interesting. Uh, fun little trivia fact too, which I should have brought at the very beginning of this episode is that this alleyway kind of that they keep walking up and down is actually the same alley that they filmed in the very first episode when Bosco is chasing the guy before he gets to the car. So the very opening scene of third watch, uh, this is the same alley that they use. And I think I might have mentioned that in that very first episode. But uh cool little call back there that I think it's uh, interesting that in the 100th episode they use the uh, the same location. I'm not sure if you knew that or not, Darvel. No, I didn't. Well, there you go. Look at that. We're learning today. Educating and entertaining, yep. as always. Uh, Cruz being extra nice here, talks to Sully, wants to talk to him about experience. And it's like, you know, I, what, what would you do here, Sully? And he's kind of like, what are you talking about? And it's like, you know, I want to lean on a man with your experience. Um, and kind of Sully, you know, is obviously saying, you know, gives his take on things, how it's a bit weird. Cruz calls back to 911 and sort of says, like, will this person identify themselves to a sergeant? Uh, and again, uh, doesn't want to be ID'd. Cruz yells out to everybody, you know, somebody should have the balls to say it's you. Munro laughs, saying that Bosco said the same thing earlier. Cruz wants to go talk to, um, Tommy again. Maybe, you know, he'll listen to me. Uh, because, you know, clearly that's going to work. Uh, and Munro and uh, Sasha, um, that's the same person, Munro and Sully, look in the uh, shed again that they were looking at before, 
And Sasha's like, is that a tennis shoe? Uh, and then Davis kind of gets called in as well. He can't see it. Um, and that is when Carlos shows up and he's kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of blood. And I guess the cops are a little bit of a dick to him saying like, don't step in our crime scene. Uh, they ask if he's got any bolt cutters or a flashlight and Carlos is just like, nope, nope. And then Sully's like, got any band-aids, <laughs> <laughs> medical tape. Carlos just walks off and kind of gives Sully a bit of a stare. Uh, Davis questions him like, you've got a, fl- a pen light. He's kind of like, they were being a dick to me. Stop jumping all over me. And this is where we get like the one connection to other episodes where Davis is like, how's your brother? And Carlos is basically like, still here. So, um, yep. yeah, he's obviously getting a bit frustrated. This is where they call the squad in as well to kind of bring the bolt cutters. And again, this is where I feel like they should have brought Jimmy in. Like, just, just have him show up for five minutes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, that way you've got all of them in this episode except for Yokus, you know. And uh, even, you could have maybe somehow, well, I guess you couldn't have worked Yokus into this. That's fair enough. But, um, no. you know, just bring Jimmy in for five minutes, uh, I guess, at least. Um so that they can keep everyone in here, but uh, you know, you, maybe maybe they did, um, just and it just was cut. and it just didn't know. make the cut. Yeah, possibly because I mean, again, it seems a bit odd that they called a squad in and then kind of cancel it um, straight away. Um, Cruz gets uh, mad and loses it at Tommy. You know, you're really starting to piss me off. Uh, this is where Tommy's trying to explain to uh, Bosco that other people use my car. Um, Kind of an interesting little moment there where kind of Tommy's like, oh, can I go home now? And Bosco's like, not yet, soon. Thank you! Oh, excuse me, I'm allergic to Bless something. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, it's a, it's like it's a nice little moment between these two. Whatever, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The phone rings, it's Tommy's phone, and we have a girl called Samantha. And this is where we, I get, I guess, get a lot of background here in Tommy. We find out that Tommy actually lives in this area. Not that he said he lived in Yonkers, but he actually lives on Amherst. Uh, that we find out that, uh, he's a roommate of a guy called Jeremy. Uh, and that, um, she's trying to find out where Jeremy is. So, um, Bosco hmm. hangs up and then questions Tommy. And it's kind of like, who's, who's Jeremy? And it's like, well, what are you talking about, Jeremy? And it's like, oh, Samantha just told me. He's like, Samantha, how do you know Samantha? <laughs> so, yeah. That's kind <laughs> and of he it. is still calm and collected, even after that discovery is made? He does have a bit of a Or is this when he starts like, to unravel? The first crack, I think, shows the way he kind of laughs when he hears about Samantha. And then you can kind of see him, like... Um, going on to Bosco because then Carlos approaches Bosco and he's like, the squad's on the way with the bolt cutters for the lock. And Bosco's like, what lock? And he's like, oh, the lock over there on the shed. And this is where Bosco, I guess, realizes he's like, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch. And then Tommy's kind of struggling a little bit from the ambulance because I think now he realizes what's about to happen. This is where, like, Jason Wiles, just great acting the way he kind of, like, goes from being calm to just kind of, you know, you know, you son of a bitch, you son of a bitch, goes up to the shed door cuts open, uh, not cuts open, opens the door, and a dead body falls out. We get a brief glimpse of it. His face is all cut up. What's left of it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and I, I would like to know how this body was, um, I guess, shoved in there and up against the door the way it is, the way it kind of falls out. But, uh, you know, not meant to nitpick on there. Uh, Cruz calls up, confirms it was a... Uh, uh, homicide, Bosco talking about how stupid he nearly let this go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Munro kind of brings God into it, says like maybe someone's watching over us and kind of, you know, mentions that we've got free will, it's all our choice. And, uh, you know, clearly Bosco not religious even though he goes to church around Christmas, but okay. Um, 
So, what are we having here? Oh, yes, Tommy trying to explain it to Bosco. Bosco not listening, saying that you can explain it to the uh, detectives. Um, and, yeah, he's basically, Bosco is, it doesn't bother him, doesn't want to learn, find out, kind of talking to Munro about that. Um, and what is, um, oh, Munro says about, like, oh, I'm going to go tell Doc so that he can release him. Uh, oh, no, Munro says go tell Doc, and uh, Bosco, Bosco's basically like, he's a head case, screw him. Um, you know, I don't care. I do love how Sasha basically admits as well that uh, Doc is a head case as well. Um, so just remember that in a, a few episodes time. Sally mentioned yep. that he, re- he remembers him that, uh, back when he did his beat, he remember his, uh, dad and that, um, I'm oh, sorry, his grandfather and that his mother was murdered. So Tommy obviously has been lying a little bit about saying his mother was a nurse because his, uh, mother is obviously dead. Cruz talks to Bosco, says he's going to, she's going to put in a, a commendation request saying that this is good police work. And uh, Bosco's basically like, no thanks, I don't want to remember this job. Um, so, yeah, again, that's kind of going back to what I was saying, probably a bit with Ed Allen Bonero there, basing that on someone. Um, we get Cruz and Kim talking to each other, another random little pair, and we'll get a bit of Cruz and Kim next episode yeah. as well. Um, yep. And Kim obviously saying here, like, you know, look, if you had have asked us to stay, we would have. You know, you didn't need to kind of force us here. And Cruz... Um, you know, says to Kim, like, if another one of your people puts a hand on my officer, you know, I will, uh, arrest them. Um, and I do like the way Kim just kind of says, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Cruz <laughs> tries to talk to Tommy. He refuses. Again, we'll only talk to Bosco. And, um, Bosco reads him his rights. I do love the way that Bosco has to pull out a little card to read his rights. I wonder if that just comes down to the fact that because this is all, um, you know, a one episode thing that he, they do that in a way that he remembers it, but I'm sure sometimes cops have to read it word for word because there's probably a legality if you miss one word, um, you know, it doesn't hold up. Because I remember when I worked in a call center Possible. once and we had to read disclaimers for certain things, there was legitimately a script in front of us, so you had to read it word for word. And if you literally changed like a word from the to that, it wasn't legally, you know, binding or something like that. So, um, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. Um, so Bosco t- handcuffs him, and then Tommy explains everything. Well, at least he gives his version of it. He says that uh, they had this plan where they would pick up girls, uh, take them back to their house, have sex, and then one of them would steal their credit cards. Uh, and that he was saying that it was all Jeremy's idea and that Tommy wanted out so that um, Jeremy was angry with him. So Jeremy tried to kill him and that Tommy did it in self defense uh and that he stabbed i don't really believe that well i think that's meant to be the point here (laughs) um because bosco completely pokes all the holes in this story by saying you know like this was self-defense you stabbed him 50 times you chopped his face off you removed his uh his eyes you cut his throat uh, and he basically says, like, I think you stabbed your hand in an upswing because people don't have defense wounds on the top of their hand. They have it on the palm of their hand. So you did it accidentally. Um, then he mentions about, like, the mum um, saying that, you know, your mum's dead. Uh, and he kind of says, like, you know, well, look, you know, she was. I was told that she was a nurse. And then Bosco just basically saying, like, lies. It's all lies. You're all lies. 
um, get in the car, Tommy, puts him in the car, uh, and then kind of just this line that he says in the car when he says, like, <laughs> do you think this is going to have any effect on my chance of being an attorney? And the boss goes away, he just kind of oh, says, I like, you know, oh, yep, no, probably won't affect your chances one bit. Uh, just everything about this scene, like, the music is so great, the way they kind of pan mm-hmm. the camera up, you kind of get the uh, police, uh, the detectives showing up and everything about this. Just a perfect way to end this episode. So goddamn good. Jason Wiles deserves so much credit for this episode. This is his best ever episode he's ever done. Um, just, ah, oh, everything. So good, Davo. I can't talk this episode up enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's entirely possible that, yeah, maybe maybe this was something that, you know, Jeremy and Tommy did together, you know, scamming the girl, having sex with the girls and stealing their credit cards and stuff. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. That is entirely possible. But his story goes way off the rails from there. I think, um, it, yeah, it probably comes down to the fact that, yeah, you're right. Like, that's what they were doing. But when he's saying, like, you know, I tried to stop him and he hurt me, I reckon it's probably just the other way around. Like, Jeremy's probably tried to stop him mm-hmm. and he's just done that. So, um, yeah, it's just done in such a way that, because, you know, this whole episode, you, you're kind of almost believing Tommy. And then kind of at the end, you just realize what a bit of a psycho he is that he's essentially just meshed this guy up and, you know, chopped his eyes out and everything along those lines. So, yeah. God. Such a great episode. I, mean, I hope, I hope to, I hope to God the guy was, I hope to God the guy was dead before he did that. But yeah. somehow I doubt it. Uh, I'm going to assume it's a buy, Darville. Just uh... <laughs> oh, uh, um, no, Ben. I was, I was planning on binning this one. Yeah, me too. Of course, it's a buy. Yeah, this whole episode has been a pure case of sarcasm. Uh, absolute buy. Uh, and I will say that I have actually ranked this at number five. Uh, and I actually put this above Ohio. Ohio was an episode that I thought would be in my top three when I first ranked because I love Ohio. Um, so yeah, but I've, I've got this at number five. Uh, so it's, uh, behind Judgment Day Part Two. I've just put it just behind that. So, uh, there you go. And, and right now, I've probably said this a few times, but I feel as though this might be the last time I put an episode in the top ten. So, yeah, I, I always feel my top ten's locked we'll in right see. now. Yeah. Unless something out of the ordinary really comes out of the blue, but I don't think so. Uh, or maybe... Speaking uh, of the blue. Well, yeah, speaking of the blue, I was just going to say, uh, you know, uh, No More Forever is a good episode, but will it make the top five? Probably not. Uh, yeah, speaking of the blue, uh, out of the blue, uh, black and blue, <laughs> out of the blue, black and blue uh, next week. Um, it is an episode which I like. I think it's good. It's very tense. It's got a real early season vibe to it. But there is one oh, yes. particular moment which really makes me angry, which is a moment long coming up that I've talked about a lot in the past, which kind of I've alluded to. But um, a lot of Jimmy and Kim next week, which is good. And, um, yeah, I enjoy next week, except for one moment. Yeah, I enjoyed that episode as well. So we hope you will too when we get to it. Indeed. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, and we will be back for that episode, Black and Blue, next time. Uh, but we appreciate your company on what has been a landmark episode of Third Watch, the hundredth episode, sort of, and such a fantastic episode, uh, top five episode of the show. Um, so yes, go back and watch it again. Call for help. It is brilliant. Uh, my name is Ben, and what if I just kick your ass? <laughs> my name is Darvelli. Yeah, why don't you check and see if he had a hand grenade. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.